Welcome to Private Club Radio, your weekly source for industry education, news and discussion. Broadcasting from Tampa, Florida, ladies and gentlemen, here is your host, Gabriel Aloisi. Hey, hey, welcome to Private Club Radio, episode 120. We're going to be chatting with our good friend Gary Collins of Master Club Advisors on an edition of Masterclass, a little extended edition. We're going to be talking about the Masters, what happened there, what lessons that clubs can learn from Augusta, and we're going to talk about golf in general and the HR symposium that Master Club Advisors has going on later this summer in association with club benchmarking. So lots of fun with Gary Collins coming up here in just a moment. So if you follow me on social media, you might have saw that I'm kind of been a little quiet for me anyways. Usually I'm a everyday poster, maybe a couple times a day poster on social media and uh, just haven't had so much time on my hands lately has nothing to do with the Facebook data breach <laughs> or any of that stuff. I know some people aren't using Facebook because of that, which is pretty funny to me because I just think, hey, I mean, did people actually think that Facebook was providing this free service, 100% free of charge, and they weren't doing something with the data? So I think that's kind of naive of people, but I can see how folks that who aren't maybe that tech savvy could be a little bit scared or put off. Obviously, any data breach is no fun. In fact, I think my data has been breached about three times the last year. I just got another letter in the mail from American Express that I had booked some plane flights or something through their system, which uses orbits and orbits got breached, meaning American Express got breached. So that's that's awesome. (laughs) But anyway, where I'm going with this is The reason I haven't been so verbose on social media lately is because I've been working on some things here at the private club agency, rolling out some new programs, some new initiatives for clients and for clubs around the world. Because I came to this realization a few weeks back that we build a lot of products and services for our clients, but what do our clients really need? They think they want email marketing or social media or brand development or doing their newsletters or direct mail campaigns or any of these other services that we offer, but what do they really need? I think my clients need a little bit more time. Everyone is busy working six or seven days a week, 10, 12, 14 hour shifts. So even though they think they need our design and marketing services, what they really need is more time. They need more time freed up. So if we're sending a bunch of leads to them, and we do that for clubs, we send very highly targeted leads that the clubs then follow up on. But what if the follow-up was automatic? What if they didn't have to write down emails and remember, hey, did I follow up with George this week? Or did I call Suzanne to remind her that we've got something going on at the club? What if all that was automated? What if you could just put your marketing, literally your membership marketing on autopilot? You see, there's all these automation tools that I know how to use. and I've just never really fully put the whole thing together. We were doing a lot of pieces, 
but we weren't putting it all together for our clients. And I had this realization a few weeks ago. So I've been in the lab, as it were, putting this program together that we're going to roll out to a select number of clients. We really only have enough manpower to do this for 10 clients. And we've already got three that we're currently handling this for. So we basically have seven spots, at least for the beta test of this program. So if you're interested, and I know I'm being a little vague here, but I'd love to have a conversation and show you how powerful this thing could be. Let me put it to you this way. Imagine you had membership prospects coming in to your pipeline and not having to do any other work. They're scheduling themselves a tour. You're not having to choose what days and times of the week were specs for you, Mr. Jones. Or if that doesn't work, just let me know. None of those kind of emails. They're scheduling their own tours. All their questions about membership and about fees and pricing and dues and amenities, all that's being answered automatically for them. Imagine how happy they would be and how much easier your life or your membership director's life would be. Well, that's exactly what we're going to do for clubs. And I would love to demo that product for you. My email is gabe at privateclubagency.com. All you got to do is shoot me an email. We need about 10 minutes and I can show it to you because it's not that crazy complicated, but it's incredibly powerful. So Gabe at privateclubagency.com. If you want a demo, would love to get one on the books for you. All right. Well, without further ado, let's bring on the masterclass. And now it's time for your monthly masterclass presented by Master Club Advisors. Welcome to another edition of Masterclass presented by Master Club Advisors. Today, I'm joined by Gary Collins, partner at Master Club Advisors. And we're going to talk a little bit about the Masters, Gary, today. So I'd love to get your feedback on uh, what, what you saw this weekend. Gabe, it is always fun to talk to you, and it's always fun to talk about the Masters. Oh, yeah. Masters <laughs> week is my favorite week of the entire year. For those of us who love golf, there's, you know, it's, it's as good as it gets. And, you know, what a what drama, what an exciting event. I mean, Patrick Reed wins. Jordan makes an incredible charge. Ricky almost gets there. I mean, the things that we see at the Masters every year are spectacular. And people who don't even care about golf love the Masters. That's it's for sure. A, yeah. It's as they say, special. an event like no other. Right. For sure. For sure. Well, hey, let's talk about Augusta and some lessons that clubs around the country can learn from Augusta about their own membership and growing the game as well. Yeah, for you and me, I think there's really some other there's some other little side notes in here that are that are really important. You specialize in club marketing, and as you know, in the club business, we live and die by dues. Members, 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 and more members. We're in the dues business, and I we, as you, it's fun to talk about all the excitement of the tournament. But when you look at all the little things surrounding it, I think that group just gets things right. And when you look at what they're focusing on, we as club operators should be focusing on some of those uh, same things. I mean, Chairman Fred Ridley, they have a women's amateur event next year. I mean, how monumentous is, is that? We have a women's amateur event at Augusta. And at every seminar I've been going to for the last four or five years, and I'm sure you've heard it too, the statistics are incredible incredible about how women are influencing the decision about where the family buys the membership. Right. As a marketing guy, 
talk to me a little bit about uh, women and the, the decision to buy club memberships. They've certainly got their hands on the proverbial pocketbook these days for sure. So, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing that happen more and more that, like you said, that the women are making the decisions in the household when it comes to big purchases like that, uh, because they're really the ones driving the family. And, uh, you know, obviously golf isn't so much just about the men anymore. <laughs> it's it's uh, getting the uh, the whole family involved and getting them, you know, to spend a great day together at a club. Amen. And when you listen, when you've got Augusta National focusing here as a club operator, if you're not focusing on women, it's at your own peril. I mean, you're in danger. I mean, you want to grow your membership. This you have to be women friendly. You got to focus on the family. You know, Dad's going to play a lot more golf if the whole family's happy. And we all say this. It's easy to give lip service to this, but are we doing the really little things that make a difference? That really do enable us to be women friendly. You know, are, are we are we really doing all the little details that make that work and to be kid friendly? How about drive, chip, and putt? You know, Augusta and, of course, the USGA and the PGA. Did you see any of the drive, chip, and putt uh, I, with the kids? I didn't see it. No, I didn't tune in for that one. I, I love this event. You know, these are kids, 7 to 15, and, and, and they're, they're absolutely amazing. And, again, it shows Augusta with its finger right on the pulse. Here they are with the women amateur event here they are with drive chip and putt for kids you have got to be kid friendly today and we and again i think all clubs have heard this it's an it's not a new message but it's a message where you got to really dig deep and make sure you're doing it um you know the uh pga and the u.s uh the uh, lpga and the u.s usga you have the girls golf program and the statistics out of that thing are absolutely incredible. In 2010, they had 5,000 girls. At the end of this year, they're going to have 70,000 girls. Wow. 70,000 girls. Uh, NGF put out some new statistics uh, on in junior golf for uh, for forever. It was about 17% women, the rest men. Was it leave 83%? This last year in junior golf, 33% were girls. 33% were girls. Wow, that's and huge. It's huge. And if our pros and general managers are not taking advantage of the programs that are out there, this girls golf is a great program. You can sign your club up. You get all kinds of fun things that, you know, they, they do all kinds of fun stuff, games and face painting, but stuff that makes golf fun. I mean, and if you're, if your team is not taking advantage of things like girls golf or team golf, have you seen it as team golf for kids? They all get matching T-shirts. It's like playing on a soccer team. This is a PGA yeah, program. I love that. Yep, it's very cool. I love it. The kids love it. They, you know, they they get involved. They have fun, and we all talk about it. But is your team at the club level really taking of every uh, taking advantage? And some of this stuff is just laying out there. It's like it's like low hanging fruit. You know, be sure your team is doing this stuff because it really does affect. Uh, it, it affects your membership and your membership growth. If you're getting the if you're getting the kids happy and the grandkids happy, in Florida, as you know, one of the problems we have is aging membership. And listen, we, it's not just the kids; it's the grandkids. And I want to talk more about that in a minute here. But you know, we talked about uh, the women's tournament and the influence of women. We talked about drive, chip, and putt. But how about the par three tournament? Even if you didn't see the par three tournament, you may have seen some of the highlights. Uh, on the, the golf channel or something. I Tom think every, Watson wins. Yeah, and I think everybody saw Nicholas's grandson hit that hole-in-one. That was pretty cool. <laughs> oh, it was unbelievable. Now, now think about this for, for us as club operators trying to grow our membership. Think about how much fun it was watching Gary, Gary Player, Jack Nicholas, and Tom Watson play. 
older guys having a great time on an executive course that there, I think there's really something in that for us to look at as club operators. And then of course, as you said, Jack Nicholas's grandson makes a hole in one on, on the final hole. What fun that was. That was fun just to watch. People were laughing and giggling. I mean, what fun that was. The point of that is, I think sometimes we lose sight. We get so serious about trying to grow the membership. We ought to change our general manager and director of golf and marketing director's title to directors of fun. Right. You know, if we're having fun, we will grow that membership. And this, of course, leads to something I've talked with you about before called scoring tees. I know a number of people have heard me speak about this. But scoring tees is the opportunity to create a short course within your existing course. You have an 18-hole course. By building a forward set of tees, you can create another 18 holes without building an entire course. You can create scoring tees, which creates a short course. And people can have fun there. Uh, Older members that are giving up golf can can score well and can have fun from that set of tees. Just as we saw Tom Watson at 68 winning the the par three, we can have those kind of influences at our club level. Anybody yeah. who wants information on scoring tees, please give me a call. Uh, you know, you if people know where to reach me about my website, my phone numbers. I think when we look at some of the stuff that happened at Augusta last week, when we look at drive, chip, and putt. You know, kids and what's happening with kids. When we look at the uh, at a women's amateur event there. When we look at the par three and how much fun that was, I mean, I think there's some real implications for, I th- we talk about growing the game. I love the game and growing the game, but far more personally important to your audience, to membership directors and to club pros and, and to GMs is growing their membership. As right. a marketing guy who really specializes in growing the membership, you know, I'm kind of interested to hear what you're thinking about all this. No, I love it. Um, did I tell you about the Red Tea tournament that my club held? Uh, they they hold it every year. I don't know if we talked about it on the show, but it's similar to that cor- that scoring tees concept. But uh, everybody plays from the Red Tees, and it's it's really fun. It ends up that usually people don't score a whole lot better from the forward tees. Well, usually the older folks, uh, the older guys of the club, usually do win it though because uh, they don't need the length. You know, the guys like me have to pull on a, th- a three or four iron off the tee a lot. So I really like that idea for sure. It really just kind of makes it much that. much more even. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. I love that your tee, you know, uh, uh, playing a forward tee or red tee tournament, and the concept of scoring tees moves up substantially even more than the than the current forward tee. But you're a hundred percent right. I mean, uh, those that's fun. It's just like the par three was. It's fun. People are laughing and giggling and having a good time, and it evens the playing field. I mean. I think that's great that your that your club has the red tee tournament, and I think scoring tees offers an opportunity to even advance that further. And it really doesn't cost very much money to to do a set of tees mm-hmm. if you already have some construction underway and you're moving dirt. You know, many times when a golf course is under renovation, you can practically add the scoring tees for nothing. Now, if you come in and have to do them when nothing else is going on, you got to move the dirt, and you got. But when you have an existing renovation going on. It is very easy to add a, a set of scoring tees. Yep. I mean, it, it, it's a, it, it's like it's like found money, and it can do. Aging members begin to play more. People that are giving up golf play more. People keep their memberships, and it's an easier starting process for you know golf's a difficult game, and if you can start where you can have a little bit of success, in many of our gated communities, uh, people are moving into these uh, beautiful communities because they love the community, but they worked hard all their life. And, 
and you know were successful, but they really didn't have time to play golf. So right. now they've moved into a golf course community and don't really know how to play. Yeah. The scoring tees can really help bring new players to the game. Yep. It sure certainly can. Well, I'd love to see more uh, youth programs starting as well, like you mentioned, at, at private clubs and stuff. I mean, it's there, but I don't think that it's really advertised so well right now, right? So it's kind of there as an amenity, you know, if you want you know, your kids to have lessons. But so many clubs don't really take advantage of that big opportunity. And what you mentioned, you know, about Jack Nicholas and his son and all that, what's interesting, obviously, about golf is that it's a game that you can still be competitive. Like for instance, my dad up until he was about 70, he still, still beat me, you know, when I was 34, 35, um, you know, you, there's not too many sports out there that, that can happen. Maybe bowling possibly in a in pool or something, but very few competitive sports, you know, you're not going to be playing basketball with your 70 year old father and he's not going to have much of a chance, you know? So that's the wonderful thing about golf is you can, you get the whole family involved. It is a wonderful thing. And I think you nailed it. We all, everybody gives a little bit of lip service to these things, but do you really dig in and look at your club and, you know, here's a perfect example, grandchildren. You know, we know that families will do things for their children and their grandchildren. They won't even do for themselves. And in so many clubs and rightfully so, listen, the membership has to be defined, but we define membership as a, uh, and those definitions have changed through the years, as you know, but it's a family unit and it's typically uh, uh adult children up to age 21 or 24, they're full-time college students. You know, are you charging the 15 year old grandson a $150 gas fee? Right. Maybe that's a mistake you need to look at. Yeah. You know, maybe we need to rewrite our rules a little bit and let grandchildren 15 and under play like a member, you know, treat them like a member or play free. What the heck? Restaurants, give, say, restaurants give it away, right? On Sundays, your kids eat free or yada, yada, yada. Yeah. They should have, we should have those types of t- experiences. No question. People will say, listen, we're all about kids and we really care about kids, but then they'll have a rule that charges a, a 15-year-old kid $150 green fee. Right. Uh, I'm exaggerating <laughs> a little bit. but you, yeah, well, We really true. have to look at all these issues that surround that to make sure that we are women-friendly and we are kid-friendly and not just children of the uh, immediate family, but the grandchildren. Yeah. Uh, particularly here in Florida where we have older clubs and we have visiting grandchildren, if we do the right things for the grandchildren, it improves our chances of getting a member. For I mean, sure. it just it yeah. just makes a, a big difference. Yeah. And I think if uh, GMs and marketing directors and club boards think about how to set their club up, it can make a, a huge difference in their dues income and in the long-term success of their club. Yeah. I'd love to see like a family scramble. I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that. Have you, Gary? Like maybe it's, you know, the dad, the mom, the kids all playing and it's a type of scramble tournament. That would be kind of cool. Yeah, no, we used to have one and people love it. And yeah. you hit it on the head too with a scramble. I think many times, listen, when we talk about Augusta, Augusta is such serious golf and we love that serious golf. But listen, having a family scramble, an easier format, easy to play, laughing and giggling i i uh, i used to have one i'm telling you it was a it was a hugely popular event and you didn't have to be a good golfer to any to get to play in it because it's a scramble you got one golfer that maybe you're using his ball more than all the others sure but it's a starting point if your kids get interested in golf through a family scramble home run home right. run yep absolutely I, I think so many times some of these things we're doing are such long-term things. It's hard for us as operators to focus on that. We want a new member next month, right? Not more golfers 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Right. Listen, pl- planting those seeds produces new golf members next month. Yeah. It, 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 other people in the area who hear about the family scramble and say, Oh my God, that sounds like fun. You know, when we're looking at a club to join, 
this is the club we should join. Look at the fun stuff they have and look at the stuff we can do with all the family here. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's so hard, like you say, to, to do that, to, to sit down and, and, and plan for the future and play the long game. Um, and I'd be interested in your thoughts on this, Gary, because I, I have a theory that a lot of this is due to the fact that, that tenures for general managers and for other areas of the club, your board, um, even down to membership directors and folks working, you know, at the, uh, at that level that, you know, when you're only sticking around for two years, it's hard to have a 10 year plan, right? I mean, it's just, that's just the way it is. No question. Right? So what can we do to solve yeah, that problem, me, Gary, in your mind? Yeah. You've heard me preach on this subject. Uh, one of the biggest issues we face in the club industry is governance. Our boards change over too, too often. And it's, it's, it's difficult to have the governance structure we need and, and beyond governance, even the club management, you know, our, our, our operators with the end, we must take a longer range view. And, and not only must we take a longer range view to grow the game and for the health of the game, forget all that stuff for the health of our clubs, for right. our clubs to continue as viable entities in the communities, we've got to take a longer range view. And, you know, I, I'm accused of preaching on this one as well. People really lose sight of how important an asset is, a club is. Mm-hmm. The payroll in the community, the, the purveyors we buy from. When you look at all the extended family that a club influences, well beyond the members, when you look at a club's role in the community, in Florida, the club industry is bigger than Citrus. I mean, wow. it's a huge industry with a huge payroll with good jobs, yep. and somehow – we are get politically picked on and often the way we're structured creates a situation where anybody has a, a trouble with a long-term vision. Right. And we really have got to have more of that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, we just had national club association, Brad Steele on uh, last week and he was talking about that same issue. Some, some States are trying to tax clubs um, really unfairly. And the way that the NCA is, is going about you know, defending those cases is, is really to show those implications and how big of an industry, you know, the jobs it provides and all those things, you're dead on there. Well, um, Gary, I want to switch gears here before we end up uh, in this one and talk about your HR symposium that's coming up later in the summer. Can we talk about that a little bit? Oh, God, yes. I love, uh, listen, education, education, education. I don't know what the problem is, but the answer is education. It's the <laughs> answer to the, to the other topics we were talking about as well. Our HR symposium has grown and grown. I think we had 60 last year. It's become one of our biggest symposiums. We do a number of symposiums, as you know, great clubs of the South, gated communities. But the HR one has been a has been a real growth factor. And the HR department, you know, the heart of the house and the club industry, people, people, people. The HR department is so important. And so this thing is really gone. We have great speakers. It's set for July 24 through 26. And listen to this. This is to me. This is really a fun thing. We're going to be at we're going to be at the Country Club at Brooklyn, uh, Massachusetts. I mean, the Country Club. This is the oldest club in the United States. This is where Francis we met won the U.S. Open in 1913. Uh, there's rumors that some general managers are signing up with their HR directors just to go to the club. It's an education <laughs> wow. just to be at. It's an education just to be at Brookline. I mean, Brookline is a, it's an it's it's an incredible facility. Uh, and it's going to be a great symposium, but w- what a great site. We have uh, room reservations at the Harvard Club. We're going to be at Brookline. I mean, it gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. Wow. You know, uh, we were talking about Augusta earlier and, and the impact that tournaments have. You know, uh, Harry Vorden and Ted Ray were the leading golfers in the world. They were from Britain. Every, you know, the winners were always from Britain. 
1913 U.S. Open, Francis, we met a kid, comes out and beats them both. And, of course, there's a movie made about it. Many people have probably seen the movie. And for extra drama, the movie makes it an exciting ending. But the truth is they were tied at the end of 72 holes and played an 18-hole playoff the next day. And Francis, we met, was one under. Harry Vorden was plus five. Ted Ray was plus six. I mean, he beat these guys by six and seven That's shots. Crazy. Yeah. And it changed the golf, the face of golf in the United States. A number of public golf courses opened after that. I mean, it really dramatically impacted golf in the United States when that occurred. Yeah. And of course, our meeting is going to be at that site. It gives me goosebumps just to say it. The greatest game ever played. That's the name of that movie. It's a wonderful movie. It's my that's my favorite golf movie out there for sure. It is. That is a fun movie. Yep. And, you know, it basically gets it right. You know, they, they got to make a little drama by of course, making yeah. it much closer <laughs> on the last day or whatever on sure. television. But 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 when you watch that movie, the the working family, the kids succeeding, all that, it, it, it's not made up. It's true. Right. Truth is, I mean, you can't make this stuff up in the golf business. It's the greatest stuff in the world. It's for sure. Absolutely. And the Harvard Club, what a great place. I was there. I got lucky enough to go there about... Uh, three years ago now and stayed there and I just remember walking in there and then they have this big dining room like ballroom and it's like walking into Harry, I, I did I described it to my friends as it's like walking into the Harry Potter um, Dumbledore's castle or whatever <laughs> like it's or uh, it's just these huge tall ceilings about 30 feet in the air giant fireplace and everything is it's just like walking into this old you know 300 year old building it's really wonderful it's magical well, I, it's like, I'm like a kid with Christmas. Is it July 24th yet? I want to sign up for this show. <laughs> so but, to all your audience out there, Terry, you know, we partnered with Club Benchmarking. Master Club Advisors uh, started these symposiums over 20 years ago. But in the last two years, we partnered with Club Benchmarking, and they've been a great partner for us. They put a lot of money in and bring in national caliber speakers. And uh, the, the registration will be going out, I believe, this week. Terry Finnan with Club Benchmarking is who sends out the registration. So, you know, uh, please watch your uh, emails for registration. This thing will fill up and the uh, rooms will fill up. So get your reservation in. And if you uh, don't have Terry's address or, you know, need help uh, getting the information, reach out to me. I'll get you in touch with Terry and, and help you make it happen. Fantastic. Well, Gary, always enjoyable, wonderful chat with you today and hope to do it again soon. I know we will. Always fun. Always fun. I love talking to you, my friend. To learn more about Master Club Advisors, visit them on the web at masterclubadvisors.com and join us next month for another masterclass. Gary's always got a unique perspective. He's such an individual in this industry and I appreciate having him and his partner Norm on this show every single month. I am in LA this week for the National Club Association's National Club Conference. So going to be interviewing some people all this week to bring you some really fun episodes coming up. So make sure you stay tuned. And until next week, here's to your membership success. Private Club Radio is brought to you by Concert Golf Partners, helping to preserve and enhance private golf and country clubs. Concert Golf has the capital, expertise and private club hospitality experience to help upscale private clubs achieving long-term success and membership growth. For 25 years, Concert Golf has allowed private club members to focus on simply enjoying their club. Visit ConcertGolfPartners.com to learn more about the recapitalization process.